Hi there. Welcome to the Innovation Insight podcast brought to you by the Walton Institute. In this webinar, international guest speaker Bij Umlaturk presents the design and implementation of an Internet of Bio-Nano Things concept called Panacea. It's presented as a solution to the problem of early detection and mitigation of infections. Panacea aims to leverage cutting-edge technologies in the cyber and physical domains to provide unprecedented sensing, monitoring and drug delivery capabilities to address ongoing bacterial infections. We hope you enjoy it. Uh, today I'm going to be talking to you about Internet of Bionona things for early detection of infections. So with the rise of IoT era, we are trying to make all the devices smaller and smaller. We are trying to miniaturize the devices, but we are reaching the end of the miniaturization with the end of Moore's law. We are right now provide, like, manufacturing devices at around five nanometer technology. So we need other communication paradigms to go uh, below those scales, to go to nanoscale. So there are no, novel computing platforms such as WAMS and NAMS devices and neuromorphic computing devices as alternative to the silicon devices. Also, there are uh, biological computer, computers that's becoming more popular recently. Uh, with the genetic engineering of bacteria, it is possible to create biological computers which can perform the functions of a processor with biological circuits or they can have the functions of a memory. For example, in the left-hand side photo here, we see that um, a video stored in the DNA of a living bacterium, and then the recovered version of that video after uh, by reading the DNA of that bacterium. Also, we can create with biological circuits uh, bacteria that perform specific functions such as counters, adders, or which can perform logic operations. But these novel Nanoscale uh, novel uh, computing uh, platforms, they need a new nanoscale communication paradigm. Regular wireless communication techniques will not be enough to be able to interconnect these devices. So what, for, from these devices, we will focus on the bio -nano things, biological uh, computing platforms, especially based on living cells, such as eukaryotic cells, which are human and animal cells, or prokaryotic cells, which are uh, single or uh, single cell organisms such as bacteria viruses eukaryotic cells they so all of these type of cells they communicate with each other to interact and cooperate for the eukaryotic cells they come together by communicating and coordinating to provide tissues and then the prokaryotic cells they communicate with each other uh, and then to create populations to perform functions so these bional things or bacteria-based nanomachines, we can also call them that, actually they have a lot of uh, inherent pro properties of devices. They can have sensing functions, they can have communication functions, actuation functions. For example, the DNA of the bacteria can be considered as the memory because you can store information in the DNA or the ribosomes can be considered as memory or processors. And then the PDs around the uh, bacteria, they can be considered as sensors or actuators. Similarly, the flagellum, which uh, whips to propel the bacteria forward, it can be uh, considered as nano-actuators. So actually, living cells can be 
can substitute silicon devices and we can program them with synthetic biology very easily nowadays. Probably you heard of even CRISPR technologies which can genetically engineer eukaryotic cells as well. So the next step will be how we will make sure that these engineered devices, engineered living devices communicate with each other. So when we go back to nature and observe their natural behavior, the cells communicate with each other by sending and receiving information uh, molecules. So the size of an E. coli bacterium here is around 0.52 micrometer. So the molecules are smaller, like current sensing molecules are smaller than those sizes. So we can go to nanoscale by exchanging molecule, uh, molecular signals. So in the nature, bacteria uses this uh, property called quorum sensing to understand their bacterial density. When they reach a critical population density, then they change their behaviors and then uh, execute tasks that, can, that they cannot accomplish uh, alone. Uh, there is a very nice TED talk about it on, uh, from Bonnie Baster, How Bacteria Talk. So I would highly recommend you if you are interested in this type of uh, communication. Also, uh, there, are, there is another way of communication among bacteria, which is called chemotaxis. Here, the bacteria actively transports the molecules from one side to the other. In the previous case, the communication molecules diffuses from the transmitter to the receiver. In Sorry? No, you're okay, B. B. Okay. Go ahead. So, all right. For the chemotaxis case, the bacteria actively picks up the DNA information from the transmitter and then uh, transfers it to the uh, receiver by conjugation. So this paradigm of exchanging molecules between the transmitter and receiver is called molecular communication. It is an interdisciplinary field spanning nanotechnology, electrical engineering, computer science, biology, and me medicine. We consider a, uh, a cell or a, bio, a nanomachine which uh, releases molecules into the environment as transmitter according to the input signal. And these molecules diffuses in the, the, in, in the environment which corresponds to the channel. And the concentration of these molecules received at this end, at the receiver, uh, using that concentration, we can recover the original bitstream or original input signal that has been sent. So I want to talk about a couple of uh, mechanisms on how we can encode information on top of molecules. So we can use the quantity of the molecules. For example, to send bit zero, we don't send any molecules. To send bit one, we can send a concentration, a higher concentration of molecules. We can also encode the information on the type of the molecule. For bit zero, we can send a circular, like round molecule. For bit one, we send a triangular molecule or a different type of molecule which is called molecule shift keying. And also we can use the timing properties. So we can send a pulse uh, with different times to represent different symbols or different bits. So where can we use molecular communication? The most prominent application of molecular communication will be in the biomedical field. So here I want to talk about the concept of internet of bio nanothings. You can also call, call it medical cyber-physical systems, biomedical cyber-physical systems. Basically, it corresponds to the concept where we have many electrical and biological or hybrid devices 
wearable and implantable uh, uh, on the body, which communicates with each other, and then which also uh, has a gateway or by a cyber interface through the mobile devices to connect these devices, implanted devices to the internet. So within the body, these devices can use different types of communications, but uh, <coughs> and molecular communication is one of those alternatives, especially to interconnect biological devices with each other and to have to connect biological devices to electrical devices. So within this Internet of BioNanoThings concept, we were uh, looking for an application, especially for the bacteria-based communication, which is my PhD topic. So we wanted to apply this IOBNT concept to early detection of infection. So why do we want to uh, work on infections? Because uh, infections has, uh, can lead to a, a very high uh, rate of death, death, especially with cancer patients, which are receiving chemotherapy and which are vulnerable to infections. Also, there are some chronic infections such as cystic fibrosis, where the infections come way by way, especially for young children, and usually lead to death of the children at a very young age. Also, uh, with the current uh, public health crisis of COVID-19, so here we targeted bacterial infections, but we can also convert this IOBNT paradigm to detect viral infections. I will talk about a little bit about that later on. So what is the solution? How can we create an Internet of Biologics uh, network for this application? So we wanted to use Iobianti to eavesdrop the quorum sensing communication of infectious bacteria. So the infectious bacteria already in the body communicates with each other to show this behavior. So we wanted to use uh, Bionotings and Internet of Bionotings to eavesdrop on this communication and report it to the outside of the body. So what are the expected outcomes of a such a system? We want to detect the infections early because it's important to increase the survival rate. Uh, and also uh, we want to use it to timely for timely administration of antibiotics because using antibiotics early in the infections leads also to a, a faster recovery and slower death rate. And also we can use this concept to track the efficiency of antibiotics. With the increasing antibiotic resistance of bacteria, this is also an important point, so that we can keep track of which antibiotic is uh, affecting more so that we can find the correct antibiotic for that infection. So overall, these should uh, lead, to, lead the way to reducing mortality and the hospital costs. So how this system is looking like this Iobianti. So we have the physical space and the cyberspace. In the physical space, we have the uh, infectious bacteria in the body, which are communicating with each other. And we have our BNTs, we are calling this, uh, we are calling them remor in this concept. So these BNTs, remors, are eavesdropping to the natural quorum sensing communication of bacteria. And then they report it to a variable hub, which can be in the form of a patch or a form of a smartwatch. And then this variable hub will further forward this sensed information collected data from the body to the cyberspace. So on the cyber side of this system, 
We have data aggregation, data processing, and storage capabilities. And also, we want to uh, use machine learning algorithms to be able to uh, process all the data that's going to be collected from a single patient and also to integrate all the data collected from uh, multiple patients. So according to the, the data processing in the cyberspace, if an infection is detected, uh, we, the information will be passed to emergency services, to uh, hospitals or the clinical care staff, and also it will be stored in clinical databases for further tracking and processing of uh, infections, and also entities such as CDC, Center for Disease Control in uh, US, to collect information about the, uh, for example, in the case of an epidemic or a pandemic uh, infection. So let's talk about first the physical side of the IOBianti. So here, we model uh, the infection as a molecular communication problem. So here in the figure, we see that the bacterial infection is releasing, the ba infectious bacteria is releasing quorum sensing molecules, which are propagated in the tissue to arrive the R sensors in the remote. So we wanna abstract this problem as a molecular communication problem and try to find the spatiotemporal distribution of concentration of quorum sensing molecules. And then we know that the infections does not occur only on one side, there might be multiple infection sites. And also to cover huge areas, like big areas of organs or tissues or wounds against infections, only one remor or only one BNT will not be enough to do that since we are talking about uh, nanometer, micrometer size devices. Therefore, we, we are planning to deploy multiple remorse to cover different organs or different tissues. So there will be a multiple input, multiple output uh, channel configuration to capture this behavior. So what, do we, what are we trying to do is to compute, drive time-varying channel models based on diffusion in the tissues in the interstitial fluid in the extracellular space within the cells, and then try to find the shadowing by these tissue structures and the multipath effect. So when we, we talked about the remorse, the sensors that are going to detect these quorum sensing molecules. So these devices, how they look like? So now we will talk about the bionoloting hardware. So this bionoloting hardware will, uh, will have a bionano sensor part and a sensor interface circuit, which pre-process the data uh, collected from the sensor and convert it into a bit stream, a bit sequence to be further uh, forwarded to the variable hub. So here we were thinking about using magnetic induction by using an inductor coil because uh, you, we can also use this to power this device like wireless power delivery and uh, data there simultaneous wireless power and data delivery. So, uh, and then on the other side, like outside the body, we will have variable hub or gateway, which might be in the form of a smartwatch or a patch or like a wound dressing. And then these variable hubs will be connected to mobile devices through Bluetooth or NFC or other near field communication techniques. 
and then the mobile device will continue to use uh, already existing wireless communication techniques like Wi-Fi, uh, 5G to connect to the healthcare providers to doctors. So let's focus on the bio-nanosensor part right now. So how can we build bio-nanosensors to detect quorum sensing molecules? So quorum sensing molecules are very unique molecules. So we envision to have three different types of sensors. In the first one, we will have electrochemical sensors, which have binding sites uh, specific to the quorum sensing molecules uh, with functionalized electrodes. Another alternative for another another alternative for quorum sensing sensor will be a bacterial sensor. So in this case, we will have a bacteria which is genetically engineered to respond to the quorum sensing molecules and then it will produce another type of more easily recognizable molecule by the electrodes and then we will use electrochemical sensing with the antibody antigen detections. So why do we need to include this bacteria? Because in the literature there is no electrochemical sensor yet which can directly uh, bind to quorum sensing molecules of bacteria. So we want, but in the literature, there are many bacterial sensors that can do that. So we wanted to uh, combine those two words. So, and then the third type of sensor will be, again, a bacterial sensor, but this time it will be coupled with the uh, optical excitation. So this bacterial sensor, in, instead of creating, like producing molecules that binds to the electrochemical uh, sensor as in part B. In part C, they will produce, these bacterial sensors will produce fluorescence or bioluminescence upon the reception of the quorum sensing molecules. Then with photodiodes, it's possible to capture the light and then convert it uh, to like, collected data. So let's move on to the cyberspace of the IOBNT for infection detections. So with this uh, IOBNT, we aim to enable uh, advanced automated drug delivery systems as well. And we wanna rely on cutting edge machine learning techniques with human in the loop. Why we wanna put human in the loop? Because we are directly dealing with health and then we wanna make sure that there are doctors or nurses or healthcare providers which are constantly checking on the process so that we don't actually damage a person's health. So for the cyberspace, the research efforts are mostly focused on data aggregation and visualization algorithms. When we have multiple things deployed in the body, how we will aggregate the data uh, to minimize the transmission, data transmission and maximize the accuracy. And also cutting edge deep learning techniques are needed because there will be interpersonal variability. And also even within a single patient, from time to time with the diet or with the uh, physical health of the person, we might read different readings from our sensors. So we have to uh, use deep learning techniques to overcome these noise sources. And also uh, we wanna have learning-based actuation technologies. After detecting the infections, a second step will be to administer drugs. So it can be in the form of a drug delivery patch. It might be like a, a alarm that goes onto the patient's phone to remind him to take his antibiotics. So we want to also include those learning-based actuation technologies. 
Another issue here is the secure and privacy preserving information handling. Since we are talking about health data of a person, it should be very private and then it shouldn't be easily accessible uh, or hacked by uh, third parties. So for the cyberspace of Iobianti, so the major task is to design efficient deep neural networks for accurate detection of infections. So here we need large data sets to train the neural networks to achieve higher accuracy and to avoid overfitting, which means that we need to deploy many remorse in many patients to uh, acquire large data sets. Another issue, to improve the accuracy of the detection algorithm, we can combine quorum sensing molecule detection with other biomedical data. We can include in the hardware, pH sensor, temperature sensor, etc., to have a more accurate detection. <coughs> also, we can use distributed uh, training of DNNs, combining progressive data from patients and supervision from medical professionals. It will be like a semi-supervised learning. Uh, it will be trained before de deployment and after deployment. And also, we, I want to talk about the deep learning important features, deep lift technique. So here, okay, we can detect the infections, but for medical professionals, it's also important to understand why we have an infection. So working the deep learning uh, backwards to try to get insights on what type of inputs create what type of results. So instead of using neural networks as black boxes, can we understand the mathematical uh, underlying mathematical rules or the reasons of infection happening? So that's also another point that needs to be taken care of by cyberspace of this Iobianti. So lastly, I want to show you a couple of preliminary results uh, for this proposed system. Here, we first target the infection for caused by Pseudomonas aeruginosa bacteria. Why we wanted to study this bacteria specifically? It's because it's responsible for infections of hospital uh, acquired type. And also, uh, we can see it for cystic fibrosis and burn patients and also chemotherapy patients, cancer patients. Another uh, feature of Pseudomonas is that it's resistant to a large spectrum of antibiotics. So it's really important to figure out the infection very early and try to find the correct antibiotic to uh, erase the infection. And also it can infect various organs such as lungs, urinary tract, kidney, and skin. So the quorum sensing molecules that we want to track for pseudomonas is called 3-oxo-C12 homozerin lactone and N-butyryl homozerin lactone. So since this bacteria has unique quorum sensing molecules, it will be more easy to uh, create the bionona sensors that we talked about earlier. And also, these quorum sensing molecules are found in bodily fluids such as sputum and blood in detectable concentrations. And even using blood and sputum uh, to detect infections using quorum sensing molecules as biomarkers is a, another research area uh, in medicine. So it's possible to detect quorum sensing molecules uh, in the tissues with the bionona sensors that we might come up with. So let's continue. For the molecular communication abstraction of infection, we said that we are modeling the infections as a molecular communication channel. So here, the transmission process will be the growth of the bacteria 
and the quorum sensing molecule production. So in the propagation process, we will consider the diffusion through tissues. And then the tissues are, uh, can be considered as porous media. So instead of using uh, free space diffusion models, here we will use diffusion through porous media. I will show you next how the channel model is changing. And now for the reception process, we consider the detection by biosensors. It can be ligand binding, or we can also include the uh, bioluminescence production by bacterial sensors, etc., etc. So for the transmission process, we consider a logistic bacterial growth. So here, uh, the bacterial density can be expressed with this expression. Lambda here is the intrinsic growth rate, K is the carrying capacity, and is the population density. Then, according to the uh, proportional to the bacterial density, the quorum sensing molecule production will take place. And then the first term here corresponds to the diffusion of quorum sensing molecules within the area where bacteria resides. In this, uh, for the preliminary results, we will consider that we have a homogeneous uh, distribution of quorum sensing molecules within the location of transmitter within the bacteria. So we will consider this term to be zero. So we have the second term K, N of the, the production rate for the quorum sensing molecules and the degradation rate for the quorum sensing molecules. Next, we uh, propose this propagation uh, channel model where we use diffusion porous medium. So here we see two parameters which are different than free diffusion models, which is the lambda and the alpha. Lambda corresponds to tortosity of the medium. So here we see a porous medium example. So the black circles are tissues and the quorum sensing molecules will diffuse through that. If it was a free space without cells, the molecules will follow a straight path. But right now they have to uh, go through the cells, among the cells, through the extracellular fluid among the cells. So they don't follow a straight path. So to capture this behavior and the delay in the diffusion of molecules due to this structure, we include the tortosity and volume fraction in the diffusion equation. So volume fraction is basically the volume of the extracellular space to the total volume. So which means that how much of the space is covered with cells. And the tortosity is related both to geometry, so how big are the spaces in between cells, and also the viscosity of the in interstitial fluid or extracellular fluid in the extracellular space. So we performed a couple of console simulations for this channel. So this is the uh, this is the simulation domain that we have used. So we have the bacteria in the wound, in the damaged portion of the skin, uh, producing quorum sensing molecules, which are diffusing in a one millimeter to one millimeter portion of skin tissue. And then we put BNTs closer to blood vessels. When the quorum sensing molecules reach blood vessels, they are washed away. So we put a zero boundary condition here and zero flux boundary condition here. You can see the simulation domain on console here as well. So the quorum sensing concentration profile that we got out of our simulations uh, after three hours can be seen like this. So we see that so our BNTs are around here a small portion of this quorum sensing molecules reaches here. So how much quorum sensing molecule is reaching there? So we can see it in this plus. First, we consider the varying volume fraction. 
So the concentration of quorum sensing molecules uh, reaches around two mole per meter cubes around 6,000, 7,000 seconds. Why do I look for two mole per meter cube? Because according to our simulations, that's the uh, concentration of quorum sensing molecules corresponding to a, a alarming amount of bacterial growth, bacterial production. So also when we consider a higher volume fraction, we see that we receive a, a lower concentration in the quorum sensing uh, molecules because it means that there is a larger volume of extracellular space that create more possibilities for quorum sensing molecules to diffuse. Uh, so it's diffusing further and not only towards the BNT direction. In the second part, we see the quorum sensing molecule concentration with varying tortosity. When we increase the tortosity, we again uh, see a diffuse, uh, decreased concentration of quorum sensing molecules because an increasing tortosity means a more viscous fluid in the extracellular space, which makes it harder for the diffusion. So again, for this varying tortosity, the two mole per meter cube falls for different tortosity values in between 6,000 and 7,000 seconds, which corresponds to uh, one and a half, two hours. So we will consider this as an early detection of bacteria because uh, if you are trying to detect bacteria with the culture, you need at least 16 to 24 hours to, uh, of waiting to culture the bacteria in the lab environment. So here in one or two hours, we can actually detect that there are alarming uh, concentrations of bacteria in the body. So these are some preliminary results which, can, which should be uh, extended to multiple input, multiple output case. Also the detection noises coming from the receptors and also other problems would be especially on the physical side of it, how, uh, how much, how many of these BNTs should be deployed to cover a given area. Those are all open research problems that might be uh, tackled by me or you or like other researchers. So another concluding remark that I wanna make is that we can use this paradigm to detect viruses as well because viruses communicate with quorum sensing with each other as well. It's recently discovered in 2017. They also uh, utilize these quorum sensing mechanisms. Another way to detect viruses with this uh, paradigm would be to detect the changes that the viruses are do doing to the infected cells. The viruses are changing the behavior of infected human cells and making them produce uh, molecules that make the environment more uh, livable, habitable for viruses. So by these BNTs, we can also target those molecules to represent virus uh, presence in the body. So you can check out the following references to learn more about Internet of things as well as uh, this application for early detection of infections. Thank you very much for your attention and I'll be happy to answer your questions if you have any. I'm sorry, I uh, went a little bit over time. Not very big at all. Thank you so much. That was really, really interesting. Um, I have a few questions here. Um, what type of application do you anticipate? I'm sorry, just after moving there. What type of application do you anticipate that requires information to be transmitted in bits? Would high bit rate be required? 
so here uh, we don't need a very high bitrate actually because uh, we are waiting for the bacteria's growth and bacteria growth is not instantaneous so it takes uh, around 20 minutes for bacteria to double its uh, population so even with very low rates of molecular communication we can still capture this behavior and detect the infection so we don't need to have high bit rates okay great and um, are bio nano things in this case only engineered cells or do they include other devices as well so the bio nano things here actually they are the uh, electrical devices that we propose here actually there there might be bio hybrid devices because we want to use a bacterial sensor within the uh, electrical device they are like bio hybrids uh, like both having bio parts engineered cells and having electrical parts here but you can also uh, use in term like these bacterial reporters as intermediate um, bionona things which reports to purely electrical bionona things as well Perfect, and I think this question relates to this slide as well. Is there a prototype for the Rymore already made? If so, what is the size of the Rymore? There is no prototype that's been made yet. So we are looking for um, funding for this project, both in US and international. So this project actually got funded by uh, Norwegian Research Council for one half million euros. So probably from that uh, project, we will be able to generate a prototype for this uh, concept. Excellent. Um, we have a few more questions for you. Um, any idea on the speed of bacterial communication channels? So it depends on the distance with molecular communication. If you consider micrometer distances, you can achieve higher bitrates. But if you consider, like in our case, millimeter, uh, based distances, it will be in the order of hours. But as again, uh, I said before, so here the important part is not the achieving higher bitrate, but it's actually uh, having a biocompatible communication uh, technology for implantable devices. Okay. Um, are there any other molecular, sorry, molecular communication channels other than autoinducers? such as different types of protein? Yes, there are. Actually, there are quite uh, many of different molecular communication channels. There are um, molecular motors inside the cells. There are filaments. And, and on top of that, there are molecular motors that carry cargo within a cell. Also, nervous system can be considered as a molecular communication system. The neurotransmitter is going from one neuron to the other one. Uh, also pheromones or hormones, they can be used as other molecular communication signals. Okay, and then the final question, is there any research going on combining molecular communication with electrical signaling of bacteria? Uh, from what I know, there is no work for that, like directly, is it do we talk about the direct electrical stimulation of bacteria or do we talk about combining molecular communication with existing uh, communication techniques? Uh, maybe Samita, if you want to come in and, and expand on that question. Uh, 
Uh, yeah. Hi. Um, actually, uh, I know that uh, bacteria can communicate uh, with electrical signals. So, but I want to uh, clarify: is is there any uh, way that we can combine or just to improve the communication channels between two bacteria populations using electrical signals? That's possible. So. From uh, I haven't studied electrical communication among bacteria, but I know that uh, through the some nanotubules that co connecting bacteria, some electrical uh, signaling can pass through bacteria to bacteria. So definitely, that would be a good research problem to work on for molecular communication. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Innovation Insight podcast. Be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and other podcast streaming services. For more information on the Walton Institute, check out our website at www.waltoninstitute.ie and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn and Twitter. Bye for now.